Our children are being dismissed to Children's Church at this time. And uh, speaking of children, we had a bunch of kids here this week. We had over 70 kids uh, throughout the week for our Vacation Bible School. And um, anybody who worked in Vacation Bible School knows that uh, we're all a little tired this morning. Uh, still, still getting over it. Um, but uh, uh, we pray for our kids as they go. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, Brother Mike and I were praying before service. And... Uh, They're they're teaching children's church today, and I just thought, man, he said, help us to make an impact. And I just thought about this. Y'all can remember moments when you sat in a Sunday school class or you sat in a vacation Bible school or summer camp if you grew up doing those types of things. And and I just thought, how, how much of a lasting impression, a lasting impression uh, these moments are in lives. I mean, I talk to people uh, pastorally who positively can remember back into their church, uh, their childhood in, in their church. I could also talk to people who negatively were impacted and the impression that that's made in their lives. And so um, it, it was just a reminder to me this morning how, what, what a great responsibility it is when we have children and we have the opportunity to to teach them and to instruct them, uh, to give them a, 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 to give them an experience here at church because that will stay with them. They're like sponges, and that will stay with them throughout their lives. Throughout their lives, and here's what I can say: is I'm so proud of our church. Uh, and, and all of those who came together this week, I'm so proud and I'm so thankful, but I'm proud that everybody who came, they used all their creative energy that they could um, so that they could uh, help, you know, uh, make this building. It, it wasn't, we didn't have the cool maps up here uh, this week. We had a big, bright, colorful display. We had uh, wild things going on all throughout the building um, and ev- everybody just came together and, and, and made an awesome experience for kids. And I've, and I've heard from several families, um, and, uh, and, and I think we can just say this, and this is not boasting, it's not bragging, it's not anything else, it's just saying, like, thank you, like, this is awesome. Um, I've, I've talked to several children and, and, uh, and, and their parents since VBS, and they said, man, they've went to several VBSs this year because just... FYI, so y'all know, VBS is not something that parents do because they're super spiritual. It's what mamas do because they're really tired, right? And so, so they're like, they've been to several VBSs this year, and they said this was their favorite. Now, it might be because it was the last one. You know, a lot of us are, what have you done for me lately kind of people. And so, um, but, but, but that it was an awesome, like, really, really cool uh, thing to hear um, that, uh, you know, that, uh, that we, you know, I was nervous having VBS this year. We haven't done it since before COVID, since BC, right? We haven't done it. And, and this was our first year. And it was like, we were all feel a little overwhelmed. Um, actually, Tuesday morning, uh, one of our volunteers was so overwhelmed. And it just was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this well. We had to stop right there, her, me, and my mom. And we just had to stop and have a word of prayer right there because we were all like, oh, we, we've done so many VBSs, but this is our first one in a long time, and it felt uh, felt strange. But but all that to say is 
it was awesome. And I am so very thankful and I'm so very proud of every person who participated, who helped bring all their creative energy. Y'all, Nick Sigler was the man this week. All right. Oh, I, I'll just tell y'all a little bit right here. Um, so we were going through the Luke 15 stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. And, um, and Nick came out the first day and he was like, I've, listen, I, I've never lost anything. I've never lost anything, but I lost my little lamb. And so uh, we had this game and where uh, the lamb would be hidden in one of the classrooms and kids could find it and they would get a prize. Well, then he was just so clever throughout the whole week. The next day he had a, a lost coin and he had made a, a, a coin about this big and it was his, his profile uh, picture on the coin. And, uh, and the kids were, he was like, guys, I don't know what happened. I've never lost anything, but, but I lost my coin. And, and so it was just so good. And then I'll tell you that the, the, just the, the, the piece de resistance was uh, that uh, he had lost his, lost the son and he didn't have like a little doll or anything. He made another like, added, like little, uh, little, I don't know, trinket, <laughs> but, uh, but he had made a son. It was like a sunburst. And uh, right in the middle was the picture of this guy right here. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, the kids had such a fun time with that. Um, I, and, and listen, I could just go down the list. I mean, Miss Gwyn and uh, Miss Kim, they taught the kids. Uh, they had the pre-K and kindergarten. And so they had to take these lessons and like creatively teach them. And they, they did so awesome. Every time I would like, walk through while they were teaching, I was like, they got it going on. They know what they're doing and, and, and keeping pre-K and kindergarten kids attention is hard and they did a great job. But uh, like I said, I could just go on and on and on about the vacation Bible school, but everybody from the, from the decorations to the crafts, to the snacks, to the, the teachers, to the, or to our teen helpers, everybody did such a great job. And I just want to say thank you. Y'all are awesome. And I'm so proud of our little Friendswood Baptist church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, let's do this. I just got going on a roll a little bit. Let's just take a breath and let me pray. Uh, get centered a little bit <laughs> before I bring you this morning's message, all right? Sometimes when you breathe in, and you just a slow, deep breath. It's like you can imagine you're just breathing in spirit. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, I, I am super proud of our church. I'm so thankful for this church body. Uh, Lord, this week was long and it was hard. Uh, it was exhausting for me personally. I, I come into this place not like, not fresh. Lord, I come in here a little bit, a little bit lacking. But God, I know that you supply what I lack. I know your strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, God, I, I pray that for me, I, but I pray for my brothers and sisters, too. Lord, this uh, just, we, we've had, emotionally, this month has been hard. We, we lost our brother, Sam. He's with you, but he's not with us. Uh, Lord, we had family promise, which requires a lot, vacation Bible school. And so, Lord, I'm just so thankful for our church and for everybody who serves Lord, give us, give us confidence, like humble confidence 
in the work that we're doing in your name. Give us the strength that we can continue doing that which you've called us to do. Lord, besides even all that, Lord, I think about Hope Village. I think about ladies going over and helping with the shower ministry. Our church is a serving church. That's so awesome, God. Thank you. Give us, give us the strength that we need to keep going. And Lord, give us the opportunities to rest when we need to rest. But Lord, take everything that we do, every, every work that we do, may it bear fruit for your kingdom. That's our prayer. Yes, we would like to see you know, Friends of Baptist Church continue and grow and, and all those things. But Lord, bigger than us is your kingdom. So Lord, we pray that through everything that we do, that your kingdom will come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be with these children who received your truth and your love this week. May it find fertile ground and may it continue to, to bear fruit in their lives. Uh, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would just please uh, hold, our, hold our, our minds, hold our hearts in your attention. That we can receive what you have for us this morning. God, I pray and I ask that we will leave this place uh, encouraged and equipped so that we can continue uh, being living testimonies of your good news. We pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. Um, so uh, just kind of as a primer. This morning, let's think about this. Uh, everybody, everybody's seen the movie Sixth Sense, right? Y'all remember that movie, Sixth Sense? If you haven't seen it, about to just blow it up, spoil it. Um, but it's been out for like thirty years, so um, so that's your bad for not seeing it yet. But uh, <laughs> but Sixth Sense, it, it was this, it was this shocking, like groundbreaking movie. And so in the movie, the plot is this, that there's a little boy who sees dead people. He sees ghosts. And, um, and throughout the movie, he has this psychologist who's, who's working with him. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and it's played by this, uh, this, this actor y'all might have heard of. His name's Bruce Willis. He's done a couple things here and there, but um, uh, Bruce Willis is playing the psychologist, and he's interacting with the boy throughout the movie, and and and, and it's kind of creepy and it's kind of eerie. So, uh, so if you're not into that thing, I understand. But um, but his whole thing is, I see dead people, and then he recounts, and, and you see all these 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 different moments where he's interacting with ghosts and things of that nature, and. Uh, the big reveal at the end of the movie is that Bruce Willis is actually dead and he's actually a ghost. And once this happens, the director takes us back to these moments throughout the movie where you're like, oh my goodness. And it was, it's revealed at that moment that like you should have seen it the whole way. Like it was right there in front of your face throughout the whole movie that Bruce Willis 
was in fact a ghost and in uh, and, and its room. Oh, Asher, you should have been in children's church. I'm so sorry, buddy. Uh, I'm so sorry, dude. Look, m- not, my, not my bad, your bad. <laughs> I, M-, M. Night Shyamalan has other cool movies. All right, buddy, I love you. All right, so uh, it is really terrible that I just ruined it for him, but guess what, it was ruined for me too. Um, so so uh, like father, like son, you know? Um, but anyways, all right, so the whole when he goes back through and you see it you're like oh it was there the whole time and i didn't see and you kind of feel dumb and 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 here's what happens like i it really was ruined for me in high school and and this movie came out when i was in high school some of y'all were probably 50 whenever it came out i was in high school but um (laughs) so stupid uh but uh um but uh I was sitting there in high school and um, and kids were talking about it. I was like, I haven't seen it. Don't tell me about it. And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, like, and uh, they were like, we won't say anything. And so I, they were like, we'll tell you when we're done talking. And I did what my son just did. I closed my ears and I, I put, closed my eyes and my ears. And, and they're like, okay. They like knocked on my desk and they were like, we're done. And then they spoiled it for me. And I was like, you jerks, you know? Um, so then I watched it with my family and I, and I saw but still even knowing, still even knowing there were things that he went back and showed throughout the movie that I was like, oh, I, that, that makes sense. I didn't even see it that way, you know. Here's how I want to connect this to us being at church today and opening up scripture <laughs> is this. Uh, right now, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That means that he is in his place, in his position of authority over heaven and earth. You and I are not waiting for a time that Jesus will be ruling. He is ruling right now. The the small revelation of how he is ruling right now is through you and me. We are the witnesses, we are the testimonies, the living witnesses that Jesus is in authority. That he is, he is the one to whom all power was given, as he said to his disciples there in Matthew uh, chapter number 28. One day, one day, He will be revealed. This truth will be revealed. That Jesus has always been at the right hand of the Father. One day it will be revealed. And at that day, I I believe, people who never saw it, their eyes are going to go, oh, pfft. I should have seen it the whole time. And even those you and I who know it, who, who say that we tr- trust this and that we believe this, we will even be keyed in on things that we're like, oh, he was, he was on the throne when this happened too. And I want us to think about this this morning because as we've been going through 1 Peter, when Peter's writing to what, the, the, this group of disciples who have been, historically, they've been, uh, they've been taken from their homeland and they've been placed somewhere else, either by force or by their free will. We don't know. Um, the, 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 my active 
my acting supposition, excuse me, is that they probably were deported from Rome under Claudius and, and, and sent to Upper Asia Minor. And Peter uh, is writing to encourage them and to equip them to live as chosen exiles in these new territories. And we understand historically they were actually exiles, but also spiritually they are exiles. And we can connect with that because we spiritually have always understood, like it's been, uh, I'm just a pilgrim in search of that city. Right, Brother Steve? That's your favorite, favorite hymn, Mansion Over the Hilltop. Uh, uh, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, right? Um, we are spiritually, we, we as Christians have understood that we are spiritually exiles in this world. But here is our, my sneaking supposition, is that Christians in America, uh, we got real comfortable here. And instead of going like, hey, I'm, I've got a mansion over the hilltop that we're searching for, that we're journeying to, it's, I'm going to make my mansion right here. Instead of us heeding the word, like as Brother Mitch said, uh, Jesus said, I, I, I go unto my father. If I go, I will come again. And, and you can go with me. I'm the way. Instead of us following the way maker, we have, we have tried to make staying, not going, the thing. Let's make this place home. But in recent years, Christians are feeling more and more exiled in this land feeling very strange. Politically, they feel strange about things. Uh, mostly, I get, that's where it mostly lines up with. The politics doesn't seem to be doing the, the things that we want the politics to do. But it's various ways in which people are finding themselves exiled in America who once were very comfortable. And so our, uh, my, my, my pastoral encouragement is what I find Peter doing is, hey, you are exiles. You're historically, you're finding yourselves as exiles, but you've, you spiritually, you've always been exiles. And you need to, we're trying to remember that we've always been exiles and we should be exiles. We're chosen exiles. We're chosen, not, not instead of other people, but we're chosen for the sake of this world to live as though we are a different community plopped right down in this culture that we live in. That we have, we have different values, we have different standards. And, 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 and here's the deal. We have these differences, but we're not here to be pointing out and judging everybody. We are just to be living, living these values, living these standards. So that the world can look at us and go, as Peter says later, why are you not doing the same thing that everybody else is doing? Why are you not 
Why are you not going trying to bring down the system like everybody else is doing? Why are you not apologizing for the protest? Why are you not, uh, you know, doing all the things? And I'm not going to get off onto all that this morning, but just imagine. Why are you not living like this world? What is the reason that you are living differently in this culture? And Peter says, you ought to be living in such a way that you can give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Peter has been, uh, so we are taking from Peter his exhortations and his instructions that he gave to those disciples back then, and we are applying them to our lives today because we find ourselves as chosen exiles in this present moment. And instead of me being a pastor who says, oh no, we're chosen exiles. The world doesn't look like it once did for us and us going, the sky is falling and we're going to go run and we're going to arm ourselves to the teeth and we're going to go fight. Instead of doing any of those things, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the scripture and we're going to heed the imperatives that we have. And that's what we find today is that Peter, uh, from verses 3 through 12 of chapter 1, has opened up and introduced some themes and some topics uh, to encourage the disciples. He says, hey, you are newly born citizens. You have a new family and you have a new inheritance. It's reserved in heaven. He says, like, so you should, you should rejoice. You should celebrate these things. However, I know that right now, because you are exiles in a foreign land, you will be treated like foreigners in that land, and that will not be kind to you. And he says, so, so that will bring hard times, but do not be dismayed. These hard times will prove that your faith is genuine. And he says, and you'll have faced these hard times until, until uh, that salvation is fully, fully recognized and revealed. And then verse 13, as we're going to pick up, and we're going to look at a few verses this morning, but in verse 13, as we pick up, uh, Peter is going to say, uh, because you have been given a new birth and a new family, and because you have been given a new hope through the resurrection of Jesus, I want you to hope without wavering. I want you to live holy lives. And then as we'll look in, in, in next week, uh, even too, I want you to love purely. These are the imperatives that he gives. Hope without wavering, live holy lives, and love purely. We're probably just going to get at hope without wavering. And here's how we want to tie back into that great, awesome introduction that I gave you all this morning about the sixth sense. Is he says, you hope, in King James Version, it says, hope to the end. Uh, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope and unto the end, that's not time, that's a quality of hope. Hope fully, completely, for the grace.
says to be brought to you what Jesus is revealed to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords for everyone to see. So, just read these verses and we'll talk about what it might mean for us or what it might take for us to hope fully, to hope without wavering for the grace that is going to be revealed one day. Wherefore, Peter says, I was taught this in, script, uh, in, 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 in college, and I think it's a great little quippy statement. Every time you see a wherefore or a therefore, you should see what it's there for. So everything that he says between verses 3 and verse 12 is, hey, because of all these truths, you've been newly born, with given a new hope, you have an inheritance, it's reserved in heaven for you, uh, you, are, um, you are kept by the power of God, you will face hard times, but guess what? That's an opportunity for your faith to be revealed, um, and guess what? The salvation that you, that you trust in, it wasn't revealed, uh, the prophets spoke about it, but they didn't even know about it, and you're living in it, and, and you and, and, and yet you've never even seen Jesus. And so you still hope, but the salvation is coming. And he says, wherefore, because of all these things that he said in a, in a few short verses, gird up the loins of your mind. Y'all know what it means to gird up the loins of your mind? It's like, get ready to act. So in all, in, in biblical times, and you might even still see this in the, uh, in the, uh, Mid-East today, but, uh, um, but men didn't wear slacks, and they didn't wear short pants. They wore long robes. And so if they were going to get ready for battle, or if they were going to be working out in their field, uh, what they would do is they had this long robe, um, and they had a sash around it, uh, like kind of like a belt, if you could think about that. And if they were going to gird themselves, they would take the back of their, uh, their robe, and they would bring it up, and it was kind of, kind of imagine like it kind of makes like a diaper-like thing, but uh, also kind of makes pants. And they bring it up between their legs, tuck it into their sash, tighten their sash, and they get ready. Now, ladies have the other side of the dress, right? Guys, yeah, right. Uh, what they would do is that would effectively free their legs so that they could act or they could do what they need to do. Themselves to battle, or if they just need to go work out in the field, they were girded. That's where we get our, our girdles from. But, uh, they, were girded, they were ready for action. So, to gird the loins of your mind, right? He says, get your minds ready for action. Get your minds ready to act. He says, be sober. That word sober there, it can mean sobriety from alcohol, but it really also has a broader connotation, and it is just a, a ready, equipped mindset. It is, a lot of modern translations will say, uh, uh, be self-controlled, be tempered, or temperate. So be ready for action, Get your, be ready for action by being in self-control. And then he says, and hope to the end. Hope to the end, this is not a time. To the end is the Greek word teleos. And um, while it can mean time, it most commonly is referring to 
uh, a quality of something. So like hope uh, or, or, or the, the quality or the completion of something. And so when we look at it here, and again, most modern translations will, will say this, even if you look into the King James Version um, today, there will be uh, an explanatory note and it will say hope fully. It's to have complete hope, to have full hope. Hope fully for the grace. And if we think about hoping fully, we think about hoping an unwavering hope because these are people who are going to face hard times. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revealing of Jesus Christ. Do this like obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Uh, these are the first two imperatives that Peter gives to the disciples who are living as chosen exiles in Upper Asia Minor in the middle of the first century. These uh, are oh, very good imperatives for you and I who are living as chosen exiles in 21st century America. We're just going to deal with the first one. Hope fully. Hope fully. Hopefully for what? For the grace that will be revealed one day. Uh, for the goodness, for the gift that will be revealed one day. I said earlier, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. You and I know this. The world doesn't know this. So what does the world do? The world continues to say we can put our hope in this political figure or this sports figure or in this 401k or this 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 this, this investment account or um, uh, we can continue hoping that our kids' future will be brighter than our uh, than, than than what we had. We can continue hoping, wistfully wishing, as it were, in all the things that the world has to offer us. Uh, but you and I, uh, we are called not to wistfully wish that things will be better if somebody else gets voted into office. You and I are called to live in the assured confidence. That's how I would like to describe or define this hope that we have in Scripture. It's not a wistful wish, it's an assured confidence. You and I are called to uh, live with an assured confidence that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father today. And that his life and the way that he calls us to live is, uh, that's the good life. It's the life that God looks at and approves of. It's the life that men and women will not understand initially, but ultimately, ultimately, it is the life that will bring peace on earth and goodwill to all humanity. It doesn't start out with peace, but it ends in peace. Uh, Jesus is at the right hand because he was raised from death. 
we know. Our hope is this assured confidence that while the world doesn't see it, we know, we know that he's at the right hand. In the sixth sense, when you first watched it, you didn't know. And then it was revealed to you. But guess who knew the whole time? The director knew the whole time. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had to be patient with what he was doing. I'm sure there was probably nights whenever he sat there and he was so giddy with excitement to have this revealed. And there were nights whenever he was also a little anxious and like, oh man, what if nobody gets it? What if it's a bomb and it's a flop, right? I, I can imagine that the director went through a lot of things, but the director knew exactly what he was doing. You and I are in the director's seat, as it were. We know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And guess what? There's some nights whenever that makes us very giddy because we're excited because it gives us energy and it gives us confidence and it gives us hope, strength, vitality. But there are nights when we are anxious and we're like, I don't know if it's going to work. So let's just talk about this practically a little bit. We are called to live like Jesus. And one of the things that I, I think hugely is part of the Christian life is that we are people. Freely forgiving because we've been freely forgiven. You know what this world wants to do? They want to cancel people or they want to boycott people. And, and I, I don't care. Like the craziest thing to me is people who, who, who uh, like there will be people who, who just trash cancel culture. And then they're like, but we're boycotting. And then they celebrate that we boycott. I just think those are two of the same things. They are the exact same thing, and it's just which side of the aisle do you sit on and which side of the spectrum do you sit on that you're going to celebrate? Look at what we did. And listen, the fact of the matter is, is that's fine. We live in a free market capitalist society. If you want to, if you want to shut somebody down because you want to stop, you know, so, stop supporting their business or you want to, you know, stop, stop, stop seeing movies that they're in or whatever, that's fine. It's totally fine. But this is what kind of bothers me a little bit as a Christian is that A, we can't see through it. We can't see that that is a world system way of doing things. It's just the world system flat, period. We're going to, we're going to make somebody suffer by humiliating them, shaming them. What, you know what that sounds like? Sounds exactly like they, what they did to our Savior, Jesus. And instead of us saying, we will not stand with people who will humiliate and shame other human beings and strip them of their dignity and strip them of their respect and strip them of their honor because they don't agree with me. Instead of us standing against such things, we join lockstep right in hand in hand, heart in heart, with the world. 
and the world's way of doing things. My brothers and my sisters, you and I are called to be the people who welcome everybody to the table. We don't cancel. We don't boycott just for the sake of being proud of ourselves for canceling and boycott. You and I, you and I, we don't shame. We don't degrade. We don't disrespect. We don't de like bring honor and, and, and strip people of their honor. You and I, you and I who do not, if we really want to think about it, you and I who have been given the highest honor by the highest authority, Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, you and I who we've been given highest honor, we should give this world, every person in this world, high honor. And I promise you, that will make you anxious some nights. But one day it will be revealed who truly is an authority. And that is what you and I are called. That's what we are called to live for and how we are called to live. Like we know one day the one whose face was spit upon, whose beard was plucked out, who's hung naked on a cross. Such a shameful, he had every ounce of uh, dignity stripped from him. One day it will be revealed that he, in fact, is king of kings and lord of lords to this whole world. And you and I have the high privilege of living lives that testify that the one who was stripped of his dignity is the one to whom, on, the only one to whom is dignified in this world. The only one to whom glory and honor is due in this world. You and I have the distinct honor and privilege of revealing that in our lives. And I will just say this, we don't reveal it when we strip other people of their dignity. We don't do it whenever we cannot dignify somebody with a little grace of forgiveness. You and I, we know. We know what is going to be revealed one day. And you and I are called to live as though we really have the assured confidence that Jesus will be revealed as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so my brothers and my sisters, I'm simply going to leave us with this as we go out through this week, let's know he will be revealed and you and I have the privilege of knowing what will be revealed. We're like the director sitting in the director's chair. We know what will be revealed. And if we know that he will be revealed as king and we have the opportunity to live as testimonies that will reveal this truth before he is revealed, then you and I should consider how we walk this week, how we act this week. You and I should get ready for action this week because here's what's going to happen this week. This week, you are going to find yourself in some predicaments. 
you are going to find yourself as a husband whose or wife comes in and says, why are you doing that? And you are going to feel accused and you're going to feel frustrated and you're going to go, why are you asking me that like this? You're going to find yourself in that predicament. You're going to find yourself in a predicament where you have children who are not obedient to you. Uh, and, and they're not only not obedient, they're going to be actively rebellious towards you. You're going to find yourself in a predicament where your boss is going to ask more of you than you think you should be asked. You're going to find yourself in a predicament where you are rushing to get somewhere and something is going to hold you up. And you're going to feel like, ah! your tire's going to go flat. Your battery's not going to uh, work. You, you, you're you're going to have, you're, you're going to be driving down the road and your AC is going to go out. I'm not prophesying these things over you. I hope you know. Uh, I, I'm not trying to. I just know this. We are going to face all manner of hard times this week. And so we need to get our minds right and get ready to act with self-control. And we can do that if we know that our lives, our lives are to be lived in this assured confidence that one day he will be revealed as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we know that. We know that. And it's our distinct privilege to let others know that today. To let others know that today. And we can do that by how we conduct ourselves if we conduct ourselves with this assured hope or not. And with that, I'll say to you, my brothers, my sisters, amen. Uh, let's do this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, I love you, and I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask that you would just please be with us.